Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. Just because I want to, I'm going to read this little bit of Ephesians, but it just tells a bit, uh, you know, we were talking about the power of the resurrection. Okay, it fits in with the Colossians um, verses. Very hard to dip into Ephesians 1 because it's one massive long prayer that doesn't really take a uh, no place for a breath. But anyway, from verse... Okay, 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the hope of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So that's that's what I say. So, so... What he's saying is, his power towards us who believe is the same as that working of his power that he worked in Christ. So God did something in Christ to raise him from the dead. And uh, that just overcame all of all, all the powers of darkness. And uh, so that was by the power of God, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, And every name that is named, and there's loads of diseases that are named, you know, uh, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that's a bit of what I was talking about, about the resurrection and the power of God. And and that is the mighty power that is working in us. That is the the spirit in us that that is giving life to our mortal bodies, Ephesians 8. Um, You know, the spirit of God. Let me read it properly. So there's all of these little passages that you can use to to persuade yourself about this massive power of God, this will of God for healing, the completeness of healing. Um, Ephesians 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which it does because we believe, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. So I think that's a great healing verse um, because because it's talking about our mortal body. Okay, it's not talking about one day you're going to have a resurrected body. It's saying he's going to give life to your mortal body because of the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead. Well, Christ, when he was dead, was really dead, you know. He, He wasn't a bit dead. He wasn't a, a God superpower in hell, kind of flashing lightning and whatever. He was a man who had died. And not only was he a man who had died, he was a man who had died with all of the sin and all of the sickness of all mankind. Jesus was really absolutely dead. Uh, and um, and he really did. <laughs> and uh, the end... <laughs> It's not the end. (laughs) Because we somehow think that Jesus was God and he didn't really kind of die. You know, he kind of, but he really did. And his body really did die. But the promises were that his body would not see decay. So, uh, I think it's one of the Psalms, so, you know, his body would not see decay. So, although he was really dead, um, this, you know, God, by his power, rose him raised him from the dead and that is a massive massive power and that same power 
disarmed principalities, it, it overcame them all. And then not only then did Jesus come back to life on earth, he raised far above. And then, as we know, we're seated with him and that's the authority that we have. And, it, and what he was is saying is this, is, is the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which it does. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's resurrection power. And um, that is in our body and uh, it can give life to our mortal body. And, and I think that is a real strong promise for physical healing. I mean, you can spiritualize it and do all sorts of things, but Jesus was physically raised from the dead by the mighty power of God because he was physically dead. And the power that rose him from the dead physically, he didn't, he didn't raise from the dead as a spirit, he raised from the dead as a body. And so that's what it's saying. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead gives life to our mortal body. It doesn't give us a hope in the future of a body that will never get sick because it's a resurrected body. It's our mortal body, this, this body. So, right, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11. This uh, kind of famous passage, uh, if you really want to hear... Uh, really good teaching on this. I don't know if you've got it or if you've heard it, but Joseph Prince really teaches very, very well about communion. And um, um, so this is a little passage about communion. And remember, we talked about the Passover and they ate of the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts. And um, when just before Jesus died, he instituted this uh, representation of the new covenant. So the old covenant was path was fulfilled at the cross and then jesus said this is a new covenant this is the new agreement between me and uh between god and man and uh, he said this is you know this is this is the sign of the new covenant this is this is an uh, explanation of what it is and then he said you do this to remember do this to remember what jesus has done uh so um there's a bit of a dispute a bit of a problem in the church in corinth about behavior during the taking of the Lord's Supper. And so Paul is definitely addressing those issues. Um, uh, And then he says in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's that's the eating of the Passover lamb. It's his body that was broken for us. And Jesus' body was broken for our healing. Okay. And then he says, And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And that, I mean, it's a bit simplistic, but it just represents the the... the the payment for our sin. It, it has to do with the sin aspect and, and the cleansing and the redemption and the justification and all of those kind of things. So it's the blood and the body. And it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And I think what that means is you're just saying, this is what I believe in. The Lord's death is the atonement, it's what he did at the cross. I'm proclaiming this. I'm declaring when Jesus went to the cross, he took my sin and he took my sickness and he, and he you know, became uh, such that I could get, he became the chastisement of my peace and, and all the rest of it. So when it says that you proclaim the Lord's death, you're not just saying, oh, Jesus died. You're saying, 
this is what I am saying and standing on and believing about the death of Jesus. And then he says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And honestly, we've had so much teaching about this that it's just nonsense. And for years and years and years, and to this day, you still get people who consider that they are not worthy to take communion. And God is not saying, become worthy and then take communion. He's saying, the manner in which you do it, do it in a worthy manner. Okay. If you were worthy, whatever you could do to make yourself worthy enough to take communion, you probably wouldn't need to take it. Because if you're already worthy to do it, then what are you taking it for anyway? Because if you're worthy, then you, you don't need his worthiness. And it's just really sad. And, you know, there's all this stuff that's taught you've got to examine yourself before you come to the table. And, and there is a scripture that says, before you bring your gift to the Lord, as far as I'm concerned, he's not talking about community. He's talking about bringing your gift to the Lord. You know, if you are in dispute with one of your brothers, then sort it out. And that's absolutely correct. And to be honest, if before communion, you know, you're, you're angry and upset and in dispute with somebody, then definitely sort it out because, because why, you know, you need to sort it out anyway. But, but, but you don't sort it out in order to become worthy to go and take the blood and the, the body of Jesus. That's not what it's saying. Because when it came to the Passover, what was examined? What was worthy and what was perfect? What did you examine at the Passover? Which bit of the Passover was, was worthy? The lamb. It was the lamb that was without spot or blemish. It's the lamb that was examined. It was the lamb. Uh, it wasn't the high priest. It wasn't the guy who, you know, kind of... It's the lamb. Uh, and so it doesn't make sense that we have to be worthy to take communion. The very fact we're taking it means we're not worthy we're expressing, I'm not worthy. Now, that's not to say you just come, you know, with all your, uh, you deliberately, you know, don't deal with anything because I'm worthy anyway. It's, it's, it's a different issue. It's a completely different passage of scripture and it's a different issue. But gosh, you know, I, I've seen people refuse to take communion because they're not worthy. It's like, it's, you, you're desperately, if, if you can't take communion when you don't feel worthy, then what, what hope have you got? Because not that taking communion actually, particularly does anything, but all you're doing is you're saying, I am absolutely, completely, utterly dependent on the fact that Jesus died. As far as I'm concerned, that's what you're saying. Saying, this is my sacrifice. He's my substitute and my sacrifice. So, um, so then it says, but let a man examine himself. And this is where we get it from. Uh, this is why people start saying, oh, examine yourself and make sure you're worthy. It says, let a man examine himself and so let him eat the Bread, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Okay, so it's saying it again. It doesn't say he who eats and drinks who is unworthy. What he's saying is examine yourself to see if the manner in which you are taking the communion is not doing you any good. Okay, so it's not talking about your personal goodness or, you know, whatever it is. He's saying, Am I approaching this in the right manner? And so then it says, For he who eats 
and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment unto himself. So that's quite serious. None of us want to eat drink, and drink judgment unto ourselves. And then he tells us what the unworthy manner is. And it says, not discerning the Lord's body. So that is what the unworthy manner is, not discerning the Lord's body. And that's where we've gone wrong. It's not because we've gone wrong because I took communion and I'd had an argument with my husband before I came to communion. Therefore, I've drunk judgment on myself and therefore I'm, you know, reaping the, you know, difficult, whatever it is, the consequences of having had an argument in the car before I came to church. That's not it. It's not that. What it's saying is that is a place of of judgment. Now, that judgment doesn't mean God is in heaven like, wham, you know, have a disease because uh, you just did that wrong. What it's saying is there's going to be a consequence of this that is not going to be great for you. It's not an active intervention of God. It's just saying there is a consequence of not taking the communion in a worthy manner. And so, so what it's saying is if you're not discerning the Lord's body, as you take communion, then there is going to be a consequence of that. And it, and it says, for this reason. So then it says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. And you think, it's really interesting, isn't it? It's just really interesting. What, as far as I can understand it, is saying is, if you don't understand the whole concept of the body of Jesus, if you don't discern what the bread is about, if you don't get that, then you are going to reap a consequence, which is a judgment. And that judgment is that some of you will be weak and sick, and some of you will, uh, and many sleep. Now, sleep means die. Um, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we might not be condemned with the world. Okay. Uh, So then it says, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat and wait for one another, and then there's all this kind of order of the of the communion so that's what i think it means i think it simply means paul is saying we're already losing this somewhere along the line we get the blood we we get it he's not saying discern the blood somehow we we get that you know we we we, the imagery works we know that covenants are in blood and and we know that this blood we kind of understand that the blood was shed for our sin and we understand that that was the payment for our redemption and whatever. But I think Paul is saying, if you don't take communion in faith, and if part of your belief system is not the Lord's body, if you're not discerning it, if you're not understanding that healing is part of the Lord's body, then the consequence is you, you, you're going to have more sickness than you than you want to see. And, and taking communion in a worthy manner is, I understand both bits. I, 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 this, this blood is, is part of the deal. It's, it's, it's a big part of my salvation, but so is the body, a big part of my salvation. And, and if I don't, if I dismiss that, or I don't understand it, or I don't, I don't get it, or I've never been taught that, which is part of most people's problem, I, I'm not going to live in the benefit of healing. And therefore there, there will be a judgment on me. We don't like the word judgment, but therefore there will be a consequence of not living in the fullness of, of what we have and, and who, we, who we have, you know, uh, what is the significance of the, of the body. So that's how I understand that passage. And I actually think it's quite a serious warning. And I think it's one of the answers to why 
People say, why are so many people sick? And it's, it's, it's not because, oh, you did it wrong. And it's not because, oh, you had an argument before you got to work and then you took communion. It's not that. It's, it's we just haven't known. We have not grasped and understood that they ate the Passover lamb and there was none weak or feeble among them. And, uh, and so we, we've taught half a gospel. We've taught the gospel of come to Jesus, your sin is forgiven. But we didn't teach come to Jesus, your sin is forgiven and he's dealt with all of our sickness as well. Um, now we do much better because we, we do have an understanding. Um, but I think it's a real tragedy when people start teaching from this passage, you know, you've got to be worthy, you've got to examine yourself, make sure there's no sin in your life before you come to communion. Because if there's sin in your life and you take communion, you're going to get sick and die. And actually it's this horrible deception that actually keeps people away from the very thing that they need to deal with sin and sickness. It's not you need to eat the body and blood of Jesus in order to get healed. I'm not talking about physically eating it, but it's the, you know what I mean? It's the understanding that this is what I need. This is who I am. This is what I am relying on. And it's horrible. You know, there's there's thousands and millions of Christians every Sunday who are living in guilt over the issue that they're not perfect and they might have taken communion. And we've all done it. I mean, I've been taught to do it. You know, make sure you're right before God before you take communion. And how are you going to get right before God? I mean, what exactly is it you're going to do to get right before God? Of course, if you've sinned against your brother, then make it up with him because that's not who you are. We live in in love. But that's a different issue to the fact of, Actually, we, we all desperately need communion all the time. And, and, and all that taking communion is, is saying, I, I really need this. I actually am unworthy. I, I am prone to sin. I am prone to sickness. I am, you know, it's not who I am in here, but I am a person who is completely dependent on the atonement of Jesus. He is my life. And, and so um, it kind of finishes off in a, you know, the whole Old Testament kind of symbolism and the whole Passover lamb and all the sacrifice of Jesus and all the sacrificial system and everything. And then it kind of completes in this whole thing of communion. And it's still there. It's still there. The body, discern the body and don't get sick and weak. And so um, don't get tied up in that. Uh, uh, Have we got, Timo, have we got Joseph Prince teaching on communion? He teaches really well on this, but uh, a booklet. All right, it's on the internet anyway. But um, he he just teaches really well, and uh, and so that is what I think that means. And it's Paul is drawing our attention to the body of. I think. Uh, it's okay. Let's, uh, okay, oh, such a great list. Um, God wants me sick. Teach me a lesson. Come on, shout them out. Good for me. And healing. Paul's son in the fresh. (laughs) 
sin. What else? Job. Okay. Pardon? Are they couldn't do many mighty, mighty miracles, but he did heal a few sick. Okay, this is actually the only true one. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Not enough faith. Uh, it's only about we only can have spiritual healing. <laughs> yeah. Off, sick, lose salvation, basically. Okay, etc. etc. <laughs> okay, what have you got to say about this one? Apart from wrong. <laughs> right. He- Yeah. Like, if you're sick, it prevents you from doing the things that God actually wants you to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it. The, the uh, Jesus said, didn't he? He said, "A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand." Because they said to him, "You're casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub." And Jesus said, "It cannot stand." You know, if you've got a kingdom that is doing one thing with one hand and the opposite with another hand, another thing. So. So it, it doesn't make sense. Jesus has completely dealt with the whole issue of healing and sickness and whatever. God is not going to give you sickness, nor does he want you sick, because he dealt with it and doesn't want you sick already. Um, these two things teach you a lesson and good for me. There are scriptures talking about God chastising his children. It says that in Hebrews. And, and any good father is going to want to see his children grow into maturity it's you know there's a there's this thing about yes we're sons of god but there is walking into becoming mature sons of god not just baby sons of god and so there there definitely is we all know it in our own lives when god says "Eh, just a minute this is not really helping you live in the fullness and the fulfillment of who you really are never is that sickness God doesn't talk to us like that. He talks to us through the rhema word, through the prophetic word. It always, the way he deals with us, it always edifies, it always encourages, it always builds us up. And we can be chastised 
by being edified and encouragement and built up. That's how he talks to us. And we all know it. We, we're like, we know that absolutely loving, tender, merciful way that God says, uh-uh, not great for you to do that. And, and we know it. And we, it's just never sickness. I mean, who learned what lesson from sickness? Pain hurts. I've learned that. Uh, I've learned it's miserable to be sick. Uh, you know, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yes. Yes. This is now, this is the point, and, and and the point is, both of these may well be true. Sickness may well have taught you a lesson, and it may well have been good for you. Some people are saved because they were in hospital because they were sick, and the person in the bed next to them preached the gospel to them, and and therefore it was good. I was sick because if I'd never been in hospital sick, I never would have heard the gospel. That is a different issue. God works all things for good, exactly. Whatever situation you're in, that good good can come of it. If you talk, you know, for those that love God and are, and are, you know, living according to his purpose, all things work together for good. So, so yes, sometimes if you're sick, you might, something good might come of it. You, you might speak to somebody in the hospital next to you and they might be saved. It's good. God didn't need you to be sick to do that. You could have spoken to that person if you weren't sick. And, and God just doesn't give sickness in order to fulfill his purpose. He's not some kind of perverted God who, you know, loves us, sent his son to die and do whatever he did, you know, that whole transaction for three days, and then, you know, throw a bit of sickness on all of us. Just, you know, it, it's just not God, okay? But yes, because of the nature of who God is and his redemptive ability and because he's always going to, there's always something that can come out of every situation because it's just who he is. This might well happen, but it's not why you got sick. It's not necessary to be sick. It's none of those things. Uh, earn healing. You So so these were things like, uh, yeah, you haven't fasted enough, isn't it? Uh, prayed enough, good enough, whatever. Yeah, disobedient. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? It's already been done for us, right? We can't earn it. There are some elements of this, okay, which have to do with unbelief. So, so a lot of you see, we wouldn't be deceived by these if they were so obviously wrong. There's, there is a, a a little bit of truth in some of them, like this. Yeah, sometimes it is good if you've been sick; something good happened. But, but that's not the point. The point is, we don't then start saying, "Well, God wants me sick," because that is an expression of unbelief. There is something in fasting and praying and whatever, and and living a living out the holiness that you are, that 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 will lead your faith to be more effective and therefore it might be that you know some of these issues are resulting in difficulties in receiving healing but we don't have to earn healing it's done for us already there's nothing at all we can do to receive healing and that's why in a way you know these people on the street who receive healing they get it better than we do because they've not got all the baggage that we've got right Paul's son in the flesh okay a minute on that later, but Paul's son in the flesh was not sickness. Okay, so um, 
God's punishing us. God doesn't punish people anymore because Jesus, the wrath of God is on Jesus and there's no more. We are righteous. Correct? It's because of sin in your life. Difficult one. Really difficult one. Because um, sometimes you are sick because of sin in your life. Um, You know, if you smoke 60 cigarettes a day and get lung cancer, probably it's because you smoke 60 cigarettes a day. And is it sinful to smoke cigarettes? Well, I would say, yeah, because it's something that is... is, uh, proven to be not good for your health, you're destroying yourself, right? But there's loads of other things that you can do. I mean, if you uh, decide not to eat and get, you know, so thin that you can't survive anymore, that's sin, right? I mean, it's not not living in, in the fullness of what God has provided for you. It's living in some kind of a deception. Sorry, that wasn't a deliberate thing on you. You know, I, I'm just trying to think. If you, if you have a very promiscuous lifestyle and you do then it's sin right it's how it it's how it is i don't think we can say that there's no consequence of sin just because you are saved doesn't mean to say if you go out and murder somebody that you don't go to prison because you're righteous and justified okay you are righteous and justified but there are consequences in this physical life in this physical body to what we do now if you get a sickness because of sin in your life, past, present, future, does that mean you have to stay sick whereas someone else doesn't? No, because God has dealt with it completely. But, but that's why there's, there's always this kind of thing in, in Scripture. It's like, don't be so dumb to sin. You know, sin doesn't do you any good. The wages of sin is death. Even if you are born again, the wages of sin is death. Because in our, in, in our spirit, we can't sin. We are perfect already. We cannot sin in our spirit. But in our body, we can still sin. And if you sin in your body, the wages of sin is death, whether you're born again or not, whether you're going to heaven or not, whether you're recreated spirit or not. Do you understand that? Yeah. It, it's, it, and, and that's why there's all these, uh, all these encouragements in Scripture to say, you know, be holy as you really are holy. Be who you really are. This is what we used to do when we didn't know who we or you who we really were. We used to live in, you know, lewdness and fornication and adultery and greediness and lust and whatever, whatever, whatever. There's lists of them if you want to know what are the the issues of the flesh without knowing the the reality of your of your uh, spirit. So it's a really tricky one. But what I'm absolutely, completely, 100% sure about is it's not about witch hunt, okay? And it's not about anybody who is sick. We start, right, well, well, we better find this sin in your life. Because there's loads of people who are sick and it's not because of sin in their life, okay? It's not because they did anything wrong. It's not because anybody did anything wrong. It, and that's why when they came with the blind person to Jesus uh, and he said, whose sin is it? Because that's what the Jews believed. Whose sin is it that he is sick? And Jesus said, nobody's sin. It's that, that, that uh, you know, God might be glorified. So it's one of these tensions, you know. Even if you do, like, say, you see someone who's 
Yeah, it's a natural consequence of of life in this world, which still we are not yet living in a new created world where we're not in heaven yet. We're not in that place. There are natural consequences. And, and I mean... No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not God putting sin on your life. Not putting sin. It's. It's. It, it, it's. So. So there are instances where sickness is related to sin. There are instances where sickness is, is just related to just not living well. You know, if you don't eat an orange for the rest of your life and any vegetables, you're probably going to get vitamin C deficiency. God didn't give it you. Uh, you know, it's not because he didn't, you know, he, he, he's like punishing you. It's not because sin is working its way in your life. It's just you didn't eat vitamin C, you know. It's, it's, it's just a contrast. So, so this one is like sometimes God might say, don't do that. You know, eat an orange every day and you'll feel better. You know, it might be that, that you know, God does say, it's not good for you to do this. The whole issue of unforgiveness is a massive issue in sickness, you know. But if you live in unforgiveness and bitterness, it physically affects your body. It, it, it's a physical thing. It's not because God's like, I'm not forgiving that then. You're going to be sick. It's proven there is a physiology. There's a, something happens in your body. Your immune system doesn't work very well. That, that whole system, it, it affects you. So, you know, it could be that God says, you know, you, you, you know, you come into God and say, I don't know why I'll keep getting this. And it might be that God says, there's an issue of bitterness. But God is, it's like, I, I'm so tired of the witch hunt. And I'm so tired of this kind of undercurrent that if as a Christian you're sick, then we all know there's sin in your life and I have no sin in my life. You know, that kind of horrible kind of thing. And it's absolutely rubbish and horrible. And it's, it's never how Jesus treated people. But, Sometimes it really sets people free. You know, you see these testimonies of people who forgave and their arthritis fell off them, you know, and it's like, so I don't know what to do. All I know to do is be living in the grace of God and, and you know, don't make people who are sick into somehow worse than we are because we are all the same. And, you know, if we are living in the fullness and wholeness of who we are and we are, you know, we're, we're, we're living completely, you know, we're not deliberately going out there and sinning deliberately or whatever, and, and you get sick, then my stance would be, hey, I, I'm the right, I've got the righteousness of Christ, you know, God in Christ Jesus, and I, there's no reason for me to be sick, rather than, oh God, I'm sick. Is it some secret sin I did, or is it something I'm doing that I don't know about? But in that stance of saying, no, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I, I'm forgiven, and sickness has no right in my life, and there's no effect of any generation on me. If in that stance the Holy Spirit says, hey, you didn't forgive so-and-so, that's that, then I'll forgive them and get, get you know, deal with that issue. But it's, it's that way round. It's not the witch hunt. And, you know, this whole ministry is built up on witch hunting and lists and lists and lists of what sin you might have possibly done at some point. And it, I, I'm frightened of it these days, honestly frightened of it, because it doesn't work. And I've seen people who have really got some horrible sicknesses just in this forever circle of 
deliverance and prayer and confession and confession and maybe it's something else I did or someone did and, and, and Jesus just never, ever, ever did it. He just laid hands on the sick and they were healed. So God doesn't punish us with sickness because of sin in our life. Yes, there may be natural consequences on this earth and, may, and there are definitely consequences of living in things like unforgiveness and bitterness and whatever. And that is just as much sin as promiscuity and whatever. And, and, and so we hold it in attention. But the biggest deal is God has healed and dealt with it all and finished with it all. And, and we live in the reality of our new creation being. And, and the more we live in that reality, the more we're going to be who we really are. And we're not going to be sinning in the body anyway because we're not going to be living close to the line. We're going to be living in the heart and fullness of what, what God has done. Right. Ran over on that. But could continue for some more on that. Job. Job is the first book of the Bible, right? This is, this is the first expression of anybody on earth that we know of expressing an understanding of God. He does not have the indwelling spirit of God. He has not got a load of prophets around him. He, he is a man who, clearly it's inspired by God. Job is the book of the Bible that tells us the earth is a, is a sphere. I mean, how long did it take us brainy ones to work out that you couldn't fall off the end of the earth? It says in Job that it's a sphere. So it's clearly, clearly a God-inspired book full of wisdom. But um, that there is an expression in that book of attributing to God what God didn't do. And, and that doesn't mean to say that the book of Job isn't true. It is a true representation of what Job said about God. But what Job said about God isn't true, if you know what I mean. So... The reason why we get stuck with Job is because God did this and God did disaster on the family and God put this disease on him and God that. And, 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 and I think that is Job's understanding in the limitations of who he was at that time of what was happening in his life. And um, it, it, I, I mean, I don't know about all these discussions with God and the devil and, and whatever. It's, you know, it's one of the few times that yeah, it's one of the few times that the devil is even mentioned in the Old Testament, isn't it? And uh, it's it's it, exactly it's it's a it, it's it's a story of of an understanding, but it's not true about God. So, so what about Job? I mean, I don't think there's anything in Job that we can understand about sickness and disease because it's got nothing to do with us, right? So, I mean, it's long past, right? Jesus. Couldn't do many mighty miracles. Okay, we'll talk about this another time because uh, the only thing, as far as I can see, that stops healing is unbelief. Okay, and the reason he couldn't do many mighty miracles is not because he didn't. He was a man, and the reason, uh, and even when he couldn't do many mighty miracles, he still healed a few sick. Well, to be honest, I'd be quite satisfied with healing a few (laughs) sick. You know, uh, if if in great unbelief Jesus could still heal a few sick, then you know we should be doing a bit better than we're doing now so you know it's just the mighty miracles and that was because of unbelief and and so uh eve he as a man using his faith which was god's faith in him was limited in what he was doing and that's why many times he took people out of the city took people away he kept everybody out and only went in with a few of his disciples because he knew the power of unbelief and and the power of unbelief does hinder healing absolutely for sure but that's not because jesus 
I mean, Jesus couldn't do it because he was limited as a man, the same as we are limited as men. He didn't have any special ability over and above what we have as as men. Uh, and we can do greater works than he. he. So, um, yeah. Well, this was his hometown, isn't it? And they were saying, who's this? This is the son of the carpenter. He, you know, we, and he says, you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. So, so they just thought this guy is the, the carpenter's son. They didn't believe in him. They didn't believe who he was. But everybody who came to Jesus in faith got healed. Yeah. So it wasn't he couldn't do it. It's just they were not coming to him in faith. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You have to be right with God. That's absolutely true. We are. Right? I mean, we are right with God. So, so fantastic. And you don't actually have to be right with God because, I mean, I mean, yeah, we're all, technically we're all right with God, isn't it? So, I mean, this would potentially put unbelievers out, but it's not. I mean, we're all right with God and, and um, that's God's heart for everybody. And so, God uses sickness. Let's have a big cross. We don't like this one. I mean, yeah, he can use sickness the same as he can use, absolutely, he can use the fact you're in prison for a crime, right? That's not to say he made you do the crime. It's just, yeah. right, not enough faith is the issue of unbelief, okay? We have enough faith. Has somebody, somebody's talked about faith. Phil talked about faith, didn't he? I'll talk about faith next time. Just simply, we have the faith of God, and that is the faith that we have. It is a gift of God, not of works, that none may boast. And the faith that he has was sufficient for Jesus to go to the cross knowing that he would be raised from the dead. So, we got enough, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Spiritual healing. I hope I've explained to you why I don't think... It's physical. I mean, it was sickness. It was on his body. Okay. Went to the doctor. I could talk forever about this one. Uh, Next. <laughs> Sometimes going to the doctor doesn't help, okay? Sometimes you might have this whole belief system in the doctor, which is far greater than your belief system in God. And, and you know, the more you believe the doctor has healing for you, the, the less you're going to get healing from God, I believe, and the more you're going to get the problems associated with healing from the doctor. Um. And I don't believe that God provided doctors for our healing. He provided his son and the stripes on his son's body and the victory over Satan and his resurrected body for our healing. And that was God's intention for us. That's why Jesus says, you know, go out. He didn't say go out, go to medical school, learn to be a doctor, heal the sick. He went and said, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Okay. Honestly, however long you want to talk about this, I can talk about it. Um... The way I would see it very briefly is 
God knows us and he knows that we are frail and he, he, he doesn't take any delight. There is no glory, I would say, in dying in sickness as a believer necessarily. There's no problem. I have no problem whatsoever with anybody who chooses to reject medical help and trust God. I have no problem with that. I admire them. I support them. I'm not going to try and undermine them and persuade them to go to the doctor. Great. It's fantastic. And if you die in faith for that, fantastic. We live for eternity anyway. Whether you die now or die in 20 years, it doesn't really matter. You know, honestly, for me to live is Christ's, you know, to die is gain. It doesn't matter. So if you choose to, to not take medical help and and trust God. I don't believe there is ever a case where God is sitting there in heaven saying, oh dear, we've got one here who's chosen faith and if only they'd have gone to have that operation, they'd have been healed, but now they're not going to be healed. It's rubbish, right? Because God's healed us already. So so there isn't that. I don't believe there's ever that place where God is saying, you know, he's got the whole of humankind in front of him and he split us into groups and your healing only comes from the doctor and your healing. And if you get in the wrong group, by mistake, you're going to not get healed. So if you were in the group that God only wanted to heal you by himself and you went to the doctor, you're not going to get healed. Uh, oh, it gets so confusing, right? The bottom line is healing is available for all of us, for every sickness and every disease, full stop. But if you choose to go to the doctor, that is an absolute, completely valid choice. But I don't think it's a necessary choice. I don't believe that God is... Um, put his healing power onto the doctors and he's no longer in a position whereby you can. So there will be people who say, uh, you know, oh, I prayed and God told me to go to the doctor. Well, I don't know what God says to people, but most people want to go to the doctor anyway. It doesn't take God to tell them to go to the doctor. They're probably going to go to the doctor anyway. And they're in so much fear that that the only thing they can think of, and it, it, it you know, it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to hear God when you are... We, we don't hear God in, in, in fullness. I'm not saying God cannot say that, okay? God knows the beginning from the end, you know, and, and, and I think he knows the state we are in sometimes, and he knows what is coming against us. And, and, and I just think, and it's quite a big shift for me to say this, I just don't think it really matters. But this one is not what God ordained for our healing. It is man's system of dealing with sickness without God. Because you don't need God for this, okay? I know God created us and all things are in everything and God gave us a mind and an ability, but this system of healing does not require God in, in, in it at all, okay? If you understand what I'm saying, so... I don't believe that is the case. Yeah, I don't believe God is like, sorry, because healing's done already. A healing is just a matter. It's not up to God in a way, us receiving healing. He's kind of done it, you know, and it's got very little to do with God in one way. It really has to do with with us and, you know. Um, but, but even saying that, you're, you start to heap condemnation on people. It has to do with us, but we're in it together and we are walking a walk of faith and it's a good fight of faith but it's a fight because if everything was automatic then the minute you believe bang you'd have a perfectly 
sin-free existence for the rest of life. Your thoughts would be perfect. Your body would be a size whatever. And, uh, you know, we, we would never get sick again. And that isn't the walk that we walk. But somehow when it comes to sin and, you know, other issues, we, we're kind of very gracious to one another. But when it comes to sickness, we heap condemnation on one another. Maybe with sin as well we do. So, yeah, this is a option for you, but it has sorrow. The things of the world come with sorrow. And, you know, I just don't believe God needs us to be addicted. And I use addicted in the broadest sense of the word, i.e., if I don't take this, I'm going to die. That is an addiction. You know, the doctor says, if I don't take this tablet, I'm going to that ever. I don't believe that's what God speaks over our lives. You know, that's not a godly system. So, so I don't, you know, I'd, I'd rather not, not be dependent on taking medication every day of my life for life because I've got the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead living in me. Surely that is, surely that power must be. So, but we're learning and we're walking and whatever. Right, better off sick. Well, lose your salvation, yeah, because you'll just go off and say, it can't happen, right, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but many people do believe it can. There's a whole load of people out there who do. And, and so it's just, if you don't understand the grace of God and the power of the cross, and you believe this gospel of works and law, then it's really hard to preach healing because this gets really confused, okay. Uh, generation, we dealt with that, um, Etc. 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 Okay, we can go on, but you get the point. So my plea is: watch what you say, because the more often you say, you know, even just to justify, you know, oh well, uh, it was good for me to go to the doctor because to go to the hospital, to be sick and go to the hospital because I, I just don't even say it, you know, because because you're saying something about God that just isn't really true. You just say, you know, well, okay. Sorry, I know it's a bit late, but anyway, you can get a lift. You can get a lift home, so two minutes if you want to go home. Uh, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> Just to finish this off, because... Right, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, real big issue, and there's so many lovely... Christians out there who are really, you know, priding themselves in the thorn in the flesh that God gave them, okay? So this is Paul's thorn in the flesh, okay? Paul was a guy who, um, the whole of Corinthians, there's other people coming with authority to, to undermine his teaching. And he basically, the whole, the whole of the, this book, he's kind of saying, well, they're this, but I'm this. So he's kind of giving his credentials as to why he should be the one that they listen to and not these false teachers. And, and so he talks about boasting and he boasts in his infirmities and then all this, all this stuff. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, it says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. So I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I don't know, or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knows such a one was caught up into the third heaven. He's talking about himself. And Paul had a God-given revelation of this whole gospel of grace. And, and not, none of the others had it. God, God did something special with Paul. And, and he took him up into heaven and downloaded this whole revelation of what was going on at the cross. As far as the disciples were concerned, what went on at the cross is their friend who'd been with them for three years died. 
And then he rose again. And then there was a promise of the spirit. And then they suddenly got power and could do the stuff. But they still didn't have this revelation of what had happened. But God gave Paul this revelation. And and so he says he heard inexpressible words. And um, so he was, he, he was kind of saying, this is what, what happened to him. And then he says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. So if you have a thorn in the flesh, this is your requirement for having a thorn in the flesh. Okay. It's in order that you don't become exalted above measure because of the abundance of your revelation that you got in paradise from God. Okay. So, uh, oh, it's Timo. Okay. It's, yeah, Timo's that one. I'm not in that place, uh, Chris. Yeah? Oh, you are in that place. Okay, well. <laughs> so, this is what Paul is saying. This is the issue of his thorn in the flesh. It's because of this revelation that he had. Okay. What is it? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Okay, so this is it. What is it? A messenger of Satan, right? Attention, attention. Right, what is the thorn in the flesh? A messenger of Satan, right? Is here. A messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times it might depart from me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, so it's a messenger of Satan. What do messengers do? Deliver messages. Okay. I don't know what it is. It's something. It's probably a thought. It's probably a, maybe it's somebody who's forever coming against him. But it's something to do with the with the in the realm of messages. There's no evidence whatsoever that is physical sickness. It doesn't say that. It says it's a messenger from Satan. If you do believe it's a messenger from Satan, then then in in some ways then. Why would you ever go to the doctor to get rid of it? If you do believe thorns, Paul's thorn in the flesh was given to him, that the grace of God might become, you know, then you would never dare to go to the doctor with that sickness, right? Right? I mean, why would you do that? Because God had given it you, and, you know, it's so that the grace of God might be manifest in you. So if you do believe you've got a thorn in the flesh, then quit, quit trying to get rid of it and get treated. And just because God's already said, do you know what I mean? We just mix up all this kind of stuff. There's a few references in the scripture to Paul having sickness, okay? And there's no reason Paul shouldn't have had sickness. And there's one point where he says, sorry, I've not written down the scripture, but he says, they said, he says, I know you would have plucked out your own eyes if you could to give them to me, to give me new eyes. So there's all this suggestion that Paul had something wrong with his eyes. And Paul may well have had something wrong with his eyes, but. I mean, Paul, you, you look at his life, look what he went through. Shipwrecked three times, uh, stoned and left for dead. And, and that day he's stoned and left for dead. The following day he gets up and walks to the next city. I mean, is he stoned and left for dead? Do you think he might have had a few wounds on his body? I mean, I mean, he says, my body has been buffeted. You know, I've, I've, I've experienced it. So, sure, Paul turned up at times. Who knows, maybe he had a stone in his eye. or You know, you, you just don't know, but you can't translate the fact that he once said, you know, that, you know, I'd have given you, you'd have given me, me my own eyes to prove that that, that God gave him an eye disease to, because he got revelation. What kind of a God would do that? 
God chose him, took him up to heaven, and then says, right, have a disease for the, just to, you know, just to make sure you stay humble because of what I did. I mean, sorry. It's, we just believe these awful, awful things about God. And uh, so, um, no thorn in the flesh that God is not going to, uh, okay. It, it talks about thorns and pricks. Yeah. Yeah. I think loads of people came against him. I mean, I've heard one person say, you know, he, he, he persecuted the Christians. He had to live with that, didn't he? I mean... Yeah. Maybe he met people, he's killed their families. You, 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 you don't know, I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is it's not physical sickness. Because there's nothing in that that says it's physical sickness. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no excuse for us to start deciding that sickness is part of God's plan for us and, and explaining why we're not healed. Uh, it's, just, um, it's just man's, Christian's desperate attempt to explain why we're not healed when we want to be healed and instead of standing on the truth we change what we say about God and and make God into something that he isn't in order to fit with what we see rather than believe what he says and then work work with work with the rest of it in humility knowing that we're all on a journey and we all don't have the full revelation and we're all living in this tension of you know faith and grace and unbelief and and we're a body so we're not even in it on our own. And as much as one of us can rise up and receive the fullness of God, you know, if we're surrounded by people of unbelief, it makes it even more difficult. So, it, you know, it's... But, but God is, is still God. So healing is, uh, is, is not an easy thing. And in one way, from point of view of we all struggle with different aspects of it. But don't change who God is in order to fit him into what we see. Because that is a really uh, backward step. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.